2: Welcome to the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. Uh, This is our last episode for a couple weeks, because next week's Thanksgiving, so we're going to take a week off. We usually post these on Thursdays. Didn't think uh, the world's going to be waiting for a new podcast from us on Thanksgiving. Uh,
3: You know, see Gary, you you underestimate yourself. I'm sure people will be... Right there on Thanksgiving, you know, while mom or whoever's cooking the feast up, she'd be like, damn, you know, it'd be great right now while I'm, you know, making this stuffing and putting this pie in the oven. A hot,
2: fresh, baked episode of the Chart B podcast. A uh, Very special guest, B.B. Rex on the podcast this week. Uh, so we've had hit songs deconstructed on many times before, uh, Dave and Yael Penn. But... It's always been Dave and Yael and us uh, talking about the ins and outs of songs and how uh, Billboard Hot 100 Top 10s are written and produced and why they become hits. Uh, but we've never done that with an artist before. This is a first. We have B.B. Rexa on the phone coming up to talk about how meant to be or smash with Florida Georgia Line it was written, produced and became such a big hit. So uh, if you ever uh, wanted to really be a fly on the wall of how a hit song comes together from the start really doesn't get any better than this. Coming up with hit songs Deconstructed and BB Rexa. Uh, right now, this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10,
4: 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2,
0: 1. too hard, don't stand too close. You this Number 10. I've been on the road, don't care where I go, long as I get she been on my mind. Soon as I get
5: back, she can stay. Number nine. I'm turning late.
0: Night calling in a fan. Don't you panic? Took an island for the magic. Drop the roof more expansion. I am better now. Better now. I only say that because he knows. I'm not a You know I never mention. let you down. let you down. I put you far away to hold me. You don't want my but you up there. Damn, the sky doesn't ever get. I still see your shadows in my room. Number five. Take back the love that I gave you It's to the point why I love and I hate you, and I cannot change you, so I must replace you. Oh, easier said than I want to see you smile. No, that means I'll have to sleep. Number four. Used to bust it to the dance Now I hit the epio with duffels number in my three. hands Ooh. I did have a Xan Thirteen hours till I land Had me out like a light Like a light Like a light Like a light like Number two yeah. yeah. I you Thank you next, next, Thank
4: you And number
0: one
3: So that is not Adele, as I'm sure everyone's ears alerted them to, but it is the first song to debut at number one by a woman since Adele's Hello three years ago. It's been three years since Hello came out. This song, however, is called Thank You Next, and that belongs to Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande has the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100. That is the first song. Time you can say that in her career, and that is something, of course, that her fans have been waiting on for more than five years since she came out back in 2013.
2: Yeah, and really since 2014, when Problem kind of felt like it was going to be number one, but uh, got to number two. So that's been her high point.
3: And we'd seen two top tens already from Ariana this year: No Tears Left to Cry and God Is a Woman, both off the album Sweetener. Thank You next, of course, not on the album, but really a surprise track. Um, And some will probably say this goes down as a great piece of pop marketing genius. The song dropped Saturday Night, right before Saturday Night Live. Why is that timing important? Because if you know anything about this song, you know this is, I mean, front and center, a track that references all of Ariana Grande's major past relationships, including, of course, with SNL's own Pete Davidson, the engagement that just broke off a few weeks ago. That's
2: like performance art, timing it. Yeah, it's right it, yeah, it's,
3: it's, it's you know, it's, it's wicked smart. Of course, in the era of social media, there's no way that's not going to get around immediately. So, uh, that pays off in a major way. We're talking 55.5 million streams in the U.S., and the song sells 81,000 copies. So, number one, also both on the streaming songs and on the digital song sales chart, as well as the Hot 100. So, you know maybe a risky move maybe it seems a little petty to some people or you know too in your face but pays off in a major way when it comes to
2: bringing in the bucks and bringing home that chart this song is it really stands out i think because it's so direct in actually naming people specifically it's the song people thought taylor swift would write right uh, but no one really uh, almost ever does that as a musician so i started thinking about uh, entertainers uh, sort of came up with a a sliding scale of transparency. Ready for this? This theory? Actors, musicians, and comedians. So you have actors, I guess on one extreme, where they're playing a role. You, When you're watching a movie or a TV show, unless it's something very self-referential, like a Seinfeld, where it just, you don't know who the real person is. They're totally following the script. So that's actors on one side. Uh, On the other extreme, you have comedians who are giving you every detail about their life. Usually it's, it's pretty true. You find out everything about them. Uh, musicians are somewhere in the middle. You kind of find out about them from their songs, if they wrote them, or even if not. But you don't get that uh, exact full detail of, of what's going on in their life. And that's what's kind of interesting about Thank You Next. This is really like she's just uh, reading a diary entry about these are the exact people, these are the exact names. So it feels pretty rare for a musician to do that. Like the theory? Gary,
3: that is uh that's not bad. Um I yeah, yeah, I mean that that's a pretty spot on kind of analysis.
2: Uh so surprised I came up with something so insightful. You don't you don't know what to say.
3: Yeah, I mean I I mean
2: he laid out the case, you know, case closed. Echo what he said, "Cosine, let's go." All right. So let me uh let me give a couple examples. I can't think of a whole lot of examples where an artist has specifically named people. Okay. So uh, here's one, uh, 2015. It was a country hit for Ashley Campbell, daughter of now the late Glenn Campbell, who uh, had Alzheimer's disease. She sang about that pretty directly. The song was Remember. so a touchy subject but she handled it really nicely talking about memories of growing up and you hear these stories of uh you know what it was like growing up as glenn campbell's daughter so a really touching song and uh you know example of an artist really uh, just giving details like that that are so specific uh another one going back uh late 80s it's actually my favorite album of all time till tuesday everything's different now 1988 song called Jay for jewels the So, Jules, in this song, songwriter uh, Jules Shear you might actually know him uh, best from, uh, he co-wrote All Through the Night by Cyndi Lauper. So, uh, he had a relationship with Amy Mann, lead singer of Till Tuesday. She wrote about it, naming him specifically on that song. Uh, it's kind of interesting, uh, Jules Shear still co-wrote a couple songs on that same album, so... Uh, not really too awkward i guess if he was still collaborating uh, on the album but uh, again a specific example of uh, someone being uh, called out by, by name uh, the other one i thought of and before there was taylor swift and trevor uh doing uh, maybe dis songs The More set not you ought to know but song from the next album in 1998
0: song unsent Dear. With someone right
2: now. So this song uh, is actually the one that reminds me the most of Thank You Next because uh, it kind of goes line by line mentioning uh, people specifically. And uh, that line we just heard where she says, Dear Matthew, uh, it's not actually Matthew, it's it's believed to be Dave Matthews. So you know, the name is there but uh, referencing a relationship like that. So uh, yeah, Alanis, uh that was, that was kind of her thing on, on You Ought to Know. She kind of took it, uh, maybe not as, as bitingly uh, on Unsent, but more specific for names. And here's more of a coincidence. Unsent was the follow-up to the first single, which was Thank You, with a U, just like Thank You Next. Was that for a time? You beat that? Um, wow, is this the
3: contest we're going to have? <laughs> uh, no, I don't have any any that are going to be better than that for sure. Uh, how could i you know how how could i even have one um
2: this is getting embarrassing i had my my theory about actors that's right i
3: mean i'm getting schooled up in here today wow this is i mean good god it's you know i know it's about to be final seasons kids get out your pen and paper professor trust is gonna let you know what's up uh but in the meantime mine i guess tend to be a little happier actually i'll start off with some that are not quite as happy certainly there's no shortage in the past couple decades with the rise of hip-hop of people calling each other out by name. One of the ones that I actually forgot about, but this one is is really direct. Uh, unfortunately, Gary, your girl's on the losing end of this one. If we flash back to 2009, we have the song The Warning by Eminem, which was a scathing diss track aimed squarely at Mariah Carey. She claimed that he was obsessed with him.
0: Only reason I dissed you in the first place Cause you did not see him Now I'm pissed off Sit back homie relax In fact grab a six pack Kick back while I kick facts. Yeah Dre sick track Perfect way to get back Wanna hear something wick whack I got the same exact hat That's on Nick's back I'm obsessed now Oh gee that's supposed to be me In the video with the I'm Wow Mariah didn't expect it to go balls out Bitch shut the fuck up Before I put all them phone calls out So just
3: you like we saw uh, again this year With Killshot As a response to Machine Gun Kelly's Rap Devil disc flashback this is not the first time Eminem has taken up the defense after Mariah Carey put out the song Obsessed and remember the video where she dressed up more or less like Eminem yeah. this inspired this attack from him and uh still apparently luckily i guess for the world this kind of blew over decently quickly the, the alleged pictures that he says that uh he still has in the voicemails did not come to light so Maybe we can all just, you know, let this one settle down and, and move on. Uh, a few others that kind of come to mind, uh, maybe on a happier note, because you really, I don't know if you can get much more, much more mean than that. Uh, we'll flashback to a 1979 number one hit on the Hot 100, uh, the song My Sharona, actually written about a woman named Sharona, Sharona Alperin, who actually was a real estate agent in california now and if you go to her website like that's the song of course that plays on loop so um you're welcome sharona for those quick hits i'm about to get you but sharona was the then girlfriend of the lead vocalist of the band Matt. Oh, one, sharona, stevie wonder uh i'm going to talk about the song isn't she lovely just because the she, most people might think is just sort of a vague, you know, it it could be anybody, any woman in anybody's life, but uh, the song actually, if you dissect the lyrics a little bit, written about his daughter, Aisha, and he does mention her by name in the second verse. Uh, Song written really just after she was born, so it's funny, it's probably a song people play for their, their spouses and their, you know, romantic partners and everybody, but it's really written about his own daughter. Vegan of Children, want to wrap it up with another song dedicated to the artist's child. I'm going to flash forward to 1998. uh, Incredible album, Miseducation of Lauren Hill by Lauren Hill. The song To Zion, which is the name of her son, as you can guess, and not just a reference to the biblical place, but her own son. The song is really Lauren's struggle with whether or not to have an abortion when she's pregnant with her son, Zion. we're going to put context clues together because, as we all know, Zion is alive and well today.
0: Look at your career, they say. Lauren, baby, use your head. But instead, I chose to use my heart. Now the joy of my world is in Zion.
2: All right, just a couple things on other charts uh, this week. Uh, Beyond the Billboard Hot 100, Metro Boomin' debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 with Not All Superheroes Wear Capes, first number one album uh, for Metro Boomin'. And uh, over on the Hot Country Songs chart, 50 weeks now at number one for Meant to Be by Florida Georgia Line, B.B. REXA continues to extend its record, so uh, if it gets a couple more weeks, a full year at number one. But uh, Milestone 50th week at number one this week on Hot Country Songs, how has the song gotten to be such a huge hit? That's what we're going to find out uh, now from not only Hit Songs Deconstructed, uh, Dave and Yal Penn, but uh, one of the artists who helped craft it and sings it, uh, B.B. Rexa. Really excited to have her uh, and Hit Songs Deconstructed their 10th visit to the podcast. So a little, little milestone of their own. Wow, they're joining the Double Digit Club. Let's go. They, they inaugurate the Double Digit Club. Well, I guess technically we do. But uh, yeah, it, on the podcast, we're always trying to find out exactly why what's on the charts is on the charts. And what better way to find out than talking to an artist with uh, people whose uh, work is to analyze songs. So uh, that's uh, what's going to take us out here the rest of the podcast. Uh, Dave and Yael Penn from Hit Songs Deconstructed and B.B. Rexa, our special guests. Uh, again, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And coming up right now, B.B. Rexa and Hit Songs Deconstructed talking about meant to be
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to
2: lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: Baby, lay on back and relax. Kick your pretty feet up on my dash. No need to go nowhere. Just enjoy right here with me, yeah. who knows where this
1: road is supposed
2: BB Rexa thank you so much for coming on the billboard Sharpie podcast
1: thank you so much for having me
2: so i want to hit you with a couple uh stats first uh, BB uh absolute historic song meant to be on billboard's Hot Country Songs chart uh, as we're taping this uh, almost a year at number one non-stop record in the chart's history which uh, goes back uh, about 60 years so uh, you have the all-time number one longest leading song just before we get into some of these uh, details about the song itself uh, how does that hit you at this point I know it's it's been a record for a little bit now since it passed uh, Sam Hunt uh, which was 34 weeks but uh, does it still kind of amaze you that you have the all-time longest leading number one country yet?
1: absolutely I feel like um I never even thought I would even have a, you know, a pop cro- pop country crossover song. Um and that just goes to show you that all the best things are unexpected and um uh, my my thing has always been going with feel and and following the waves and not creating any boundaries for myself. So um it's quite mind-blowing.
3: Okay, so let's uh jump into the the song of the Uh, Not even just the song of the hour, I guess the song of the year. Uh, So looking at (laughs) Meant to Be, we're going to dive into it, uh, hopefully more so than you've really ever had a chance to analyze your own writing. So Dave and Yael, who are here, co-founders of Hit Songs Deconstructed. Hi, guys.
0: Hey. Hi.
3: And we are going to analyze some of the characteristics that help make this song such a massive hit. Are you ready for it?
5: Yes, I am. Let's do it. All right, let's go. All right, here we go. Take it away. So, to kick things off, we'd love to talk to you about that first day in the studio with FGL. It all happened mm-hmm. very last minute, right? Can you take us into the first writing session and how it unfolded?
1: Yeah. Um, my manager called me and said that, you know, it was my, I already had a session that day with Andrew Watt and Allie Tim Posey and they're incredible, you know, artists, singer-songwriters mm-hmm. and, um. We work with each other, but we just couldn't catch a vibe that day. As you know, That's normal. You're not always going to get a vibe every time or make something amazing every time. So uh, we ended that session, and I went home, and my manager called me and said that Florida Georgia Line was supposed to have a session with another artist. I think it was Charlie Puth, mm-hmm. and they wanted to get into the studio with me. And I was kind of um, bummed out because my first session of the day hadn't gone that well. But I, I called my mom and I was like, "Mom, should I do this?" And she's like, "Honestly, I think you should. Why not? Just try it." And I was like, "Okay, fine." And I had I had no idea. I had nothing. I had I didn't know anything about Florida Georgia Line. Um, I grew up listening to you know Dixie Chicks and Faith Hill, and I knew yeah. Taylor. I loved Taylor, um, but I didn't know like. You know, my grandmother played Dolly Parton growing up, but I was never a country girl. I grew mm-hmm. up on Albanian music and dance and mm-hmm. hip hop and electronic and, you know, sure. pop music. So I ended up going in the studio with them and we're both kind of tired and um, we sit down and we just start talking and um, it was just, it was uh, it really, it was really cool. It was kind of, um, I was nervous because I thought I was going to meet them mm-hmm. actually. Oh, so you didn't and, even know you were um, going to have
6: a recording session.
1: Yeah, and Tyler was like, well, you ready to write something? Let's go. And I was like, oh. And I was like, oh. <laughs>
6: okay. um, on the spot, yeah.
1: So that's kind of the best, you know, those are the kind of the best sessions. So I was like, okay.
5: So take us into and, that session. How did it
1: go? Well, it started with me, Josh Miller, David Garcia on piano, mm-hmm. um, and Tyler, four of us. Um, Tyler, um, David, and I were working on lyrics and melodies, and, and um, Josh was writing, like, the music and he was on piano and he just started playing some chords and I was like, Oh my gosh, absolutely love that. So he was kind of in a groove and we we found something, he played something, he played those chords immediately and we were just like, Oh, I love that. So he started like, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of looping it and just playing it. And we were talking and, um, uh, I said to him, I said, you know, I said, so how's your day been? He's like, it's good. You know, I just had, you know, dinner. He's like, I'm like, I know I'm kind of just stressed out because this is what happened today, and I'm kind of bummed. He's like, same. He's like, this is my second session of the day. And my wife told me something interesting though. She said, you know, we're just having a conversation. You know, he's like, uh-huh. my wife. My wife told me something interesting. She's like, you know what? If it's meant to be for you guys to write something great, then it'll be. And I was like, oh my gosh, that has. That, <laughs> I, like, I was like, I was like, that has that has to be the song title. I was like, that is the song title. Um, and you know, I just started singing. You know, in and then, I didn't even, I was like, and then it'll be, it'll be, it'll, you know, we started, we came up with that, and then Tyler and uh, Josh coming with, so won't you ride with me, like bringing that little country slang in,
4: mm-hmm. and it just kind
1: of started falling into place. Um, and we ended up, Tyler cut his verse, then I cut, then we cut the hook, um, and then I was working on my verse, and uh, it was awesome because, uh, it was the first time that I sang in such a soft way and in a very, you know, just might like just not even trying to put on an act or change my voice up or do anything quirky. It was just pure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was felt very weird to me. But everybody was like, trust us, this sounds so beautiful. And I was like, OK, whatever. Like, I didn't love my part. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, we did, I did like, I'm tired of a fake love. Show me what you made of, you know, that was like kind of cool to me. Cause it brings a little rhythm, you know, rhythm and, yeah. um, it's like current melody. So it was really cool. Um, yeah. And then we, we did the session, uh, we were all tired. We knew there was something special, uh, but we really, we literally walked out of the room. Um, my manager said, it was so quick, like it was, I don't know. It was under two hours. He, oh, he said he ordered us turkey burgers. He actually ordered himself a turkey burger, not me. Um, he uh, ordered himself a turkey burger, and uh, right when the turkey burger came, or right before, is like we, we, uh, you know, um, we already had something. And I think that the best songs always uh, happen that quick.
5: So, uh, question: Was writing meant to be any different than? Uh, say the monster, me, myself, and I, because it's country. Or uh, is writing just writing? It seems like it all was very organic and just came together.
1: I think it was just you know uh, I was really nervous because I always had this like you know there's always a stigma behind country music where it's like I've got a beer in my hand and the winds my hair is blowing in the right. wind and my pickup truck <laughs> yeah
6: yeah tractors um, yeah
1: yeah and you know, Tyler was really awesome in a sense because he said to me, he's like, listen, we don't like, I don't want you to come in here and try to write country and try to mm. think country. Like he's like, and you know, he's like, that will just turn people off and that's not real. He's like the whole purpose of you being here is that we can collaborate and do something. And he's like, you need to bring your world in nice, and you need to do what You do best. Cool. And then he's like, yeah. I'll do what I do best. He's like, I just want you to bring you. So when he told me that, um, I think I let my guards down and I wasn't so nervous and it was—it just was a normal writing session it was just, um, you know songwriters sitting around the piano and mm-hmm. just writing the
6: song So one thing that we'd love to do is focus on some of the aspects of the song that really stood out to us and get your take cool. on them. Sound good to you? hmm Cool. So let's start with the second verse which is your verse. Listen to a clip of that mm-hmm.
0: I don't mean to be so uptight my heart's been hurt a couple times by a couple guys that didn't dream you right I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie Cause I'm tired of the fake love, show me what you're made of Boy, make me believe girl. Oh, hold up girl, don't you know you're beautiful And it's easy to see If it's meant, meant to be, be.
6: So one thing that we thought was really effective about that was the way that your vocal delivery progresses throughout the section and perfectly jibes with the lyrics. So it begins like yeah. more tender and fragile, then goes down in register when you sing about the guys that didn't treat you right, and then becomes like more driving towards the end where you become resolute and wanting something new and positive in your life. And another thing that really struck me was, you know, that octave leap at the beginning, which marks your arrival in a really engaging manner. So I was curious. Yeah. You know, was that like a conscious decision on your end to craft the melody that way, or it was just totally organic?
1: It's so funny doing this podcast because, um, when I write, it's never, um, I think that structure has gotten into my, um, has gotten into my bones, deep into my bones, like, you know, just overall structures of music, you know, yeah, starting yeah. songwriting so young. Um, but I, uh, I never overthink anything. I actually went into into the booth and started freestyling. I like to freestyle some of my melodies because I just feel like it's not the thing that the number one problem that I have in the studio is I always overthink. And the best stuff Mm. uh, comes when I'm just not overthinking. So I went into the booth and actually, the lyrics I actually started writing were kind of like more harsh.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: It was kind of like, you know, cause it was the guy talking to me. And then I was like, okay, what would a girl really say to a guy? Right. Right. <laughs> and you know, yeah. I was like, if, my, if a guy is telling me to lay back and relax and not wanting to, you know, um, not wanting to be with me a hundred percent, I would be like, right. you know what? Like, Get your, you know, get your shit together, right? Um, right. and and figure out what you want, you know. Uh, you know, I was like, you know, I was. I think the lyric that I thought of was like, "Don't tell me to smile, like, don't tell me to like, don't tell me to smile and relax."
4: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, and uh, it was great because uh, Josh and Tyler were like, "Maybe you should soften that up a bit." And I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> like okay, I guess so. Um, so I just started freestyling and then I went out with the guys and we had some melodies that I put down. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we wrote the, oh, I. I think we wrote that together. And then I went in the booth and I did, I'm tired of the fake love. Show me what you made of. I think that was just more of a, I knew that I definitely knew that I didn't want to. I definitely knew that I didn't want to repeat the melodies. Right. And I wanted to change. I didn't want to do the pre-chorus again, just because I feel like, um, with my thing right now, is, I'm really big into either cutting out pre-choruses or uh, just changing up the verse melodies. Just because we have mm-hmm. so much music out and we have such a short span of, like, listening to songs, I sure. like changing things up.
6: Yeah, that was interesting. There was no pre-chorus in this song. And it only clocked in at, what, 2 minutes and 41 seconds in life. That's pretty short for a pop hit.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm definitely in this headspace of shorter mm.
6: songs. Because, for example, even your bridge was just six seconds in length. It was as short as the intro. Because actually, what I want to look at is the bridge and the outro together. Because some really engaging moments happen with that. So here's the bridge.
0: Okay, cool. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But if if it's
6: meant, meant to, to be. be. And now the outro. If it's meant to be.
0: It'll be. It'll be. Baby, if it's meant to be. If it's meant to be.
6: Both of those sections, you're trading lines and harmonizing, with FGL, you know, yeah. really, you know, really creating some engaging moments. Can you talk a bit about that? How that all came about?
1: Yeah, um, the overall bones of the song. Now, thinking about it, the overall bones of the song, being yeah. like the verses, the um, the hook, like the actual meat of the song, was written the day before. That bridge and outro was written. Um, that was us. Uh, it actually hit me um, <clears throat> the night before because uh, I think the best thing sometimes. Is, The thing that's hard for me sometimes is I need to step away from the song because Mm. I have a very short, I can't, that's why the song needs to come quick for me or I will start going in and out of the studio and I'll lose my focus and it won't happen. Mm. Um, So I had a little bit of time to breathe and to review the song. And when I was re-listening to it, I I said, uh, I was thinking to myself, I said, maybe... Um, he and I should go back on in that. and then we ended up doing it, and it sounded great. And then we actually wrote the bridge there. Um, I think uh, simple is better.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: sometimes uh, a lot of times, um I'll be in sessions and people like to cop out on um, bridges. And I'm actually glad that we uh, wrote that. It's really simple, but um, I like the idea of uh, us saying, you know, just kind of ma- telling you know, wrapping up the song. Meaning, like, maybe we will, maybe we won't, you know. Yeah, it had like Like that success
6: failure kind of dialogue going on, coupled with the you know interaction between you and FGL. And you had the same essentially the same melody going through the whole thing. So, like, you had this simplistic melody that's getting reinforced in the listener's head, but became you know, it kept uh, you know, being like fresh and engaging because Mm -hmm. of the other aspects going on, which was really cool.
1: Yeah, a lot of times in hip hop music, I've even noticed you know, current music. A lot of times people will sing even their verses an octave lower and use the same exact melody for the hook in hip hop music. And it's really interesting for me. I think overall, um, there's just so, you know, after streaming, there's just so much music coming out constantly Mm -hmm. that it gets harder and harder to write a song that is even, that's saying something and that becomes, you know, really, um, that kind of like becomes, a massive song um, and stands the test of time. And I guess we'll see what's meant to be, but all that's happening is incredible. But, you know, writing a song that catches people in such a short amount of time with yeah. simple melodies, we get, you're saying something that's different. Um, it's become uh, tougher, but from what I see, even with hip hop songs, it's always this constant melody. And a lot of people will say, you know, also a lot of times that the hook has to be higher than the actual verse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or it shouldn't even go anywhere near the same verse, near, near the same melody. But I'm doing, um, I don't mean, it's meant to be. Like I'm going in the same. I don't mean, it's not upside. Mm-hmm. It is It'll be. It'll be. I'm hitting those same notes. To me, it's all about feeling. Um, I'm definitely um, just you know, feeling girl. So uh, I just feel <laughs> like there's no rules.
6: Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, well, let's get into the chorus. And I'd love to get your take on it. Let's play that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. So won't you ride with me, ride with me. See where this thing goes. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, if it's meant to be.
6: So come on, ride. So it's a lot of clever things going on there. So I'd love to hear your thoughts first.
1: I think that you know, there's a lot of repetition.
6: Mm.
1: Um, if we do a simple. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be, baby, just gotta It'll be, so we do an A A B A. And I, I think it's just, I think it's just so simple. I, I think it's, it, it worked well because people were able to sing along to it. Yep. And it wasn't too high, and um, there wasn't anything screamy about it. And then uh, um, it's pr- it's nice because um, in the in the third line you get a little bit of a departure on the you know like the the singer song the singing songwriter thing and the legato part. So then mm-hmm. you get like a little bit more of that country swag or the me, like people just like when that part comes in, people love it. They're like in the, in the crowd, they start like you know all so, like jamming down to yeah. it and then it re- and then it resolved really nicely back in uh from the main line um And you
6: use that in the post chorus too. You actually took that line for the post.
1: Yeah. In the I section just of love the falls, yeah. Row with me, row with me. I just love that so much. Yeah. Um <laughs> I just, the second the second the guy sang it I was like, "Oh, this is so this is so
6: Well, I thought it was cool, like with Ride With Me, Ride With Me, you know, you have the repetition of those two lines back to back, and it also jibes with, you know, the repetition of, you know, meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. So you have this kind of repetition of pairs of lines going on, which is like really clever. But there's just enough contrast, which is, you know, preventing it from becoming overly redundant, which is really clever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like you have this, like, you have this, like, pretty line of, like, if it's meant to be, you know, it'll be, and then you're like well, won't you ride? Then just ride with me. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it makes it a little bit cooler and contemporary and and a little fresher. Um, And I just love the repetition because by that point, people have heard the ride with me part twice and they could actually sing along by the time the post-chorus comes in, which is on the um, second half. Right, The second chorus. Yeah,
6: because typically, you know, most people are taking, you know, for the post-chorus, either like the last line from the chorus or like recycling the title into the post-chorus. But you actually took the part of the chorus that actually provides the departure and the contrast in the chorus and made that your hook, which was really cool.
1: It works greatly because it goes into the pre-hook. Um, and, it, and I think that helps to not making the song feel redundant. Yeah. You know, if we would have done the isn't it would have just felt like we, would start, we were starting the hook again. Mm-hmm. And and I uh, wouldn't want to add another post because it just didn't feel right. So right. Uh, I think um, us going with that that third line... If like we would have went back into if it's meant to be it would have sounded like we're going back into another hook um, right. or we would have wrote another melody line that just wouldn't have been as good as that mm. A line in the hook
6: um, and speaking of the chorus something interesting happens in the third chorus so I just want to play that for a second
0: maybe we will maybe we won't but if it's meant to be it'll be it'll be baby just let it be if it's meant to be it'll be so
6: will so i'm curious about that first stanza so was it you know mainly to provide engaging contrast in the scope of the song or did you intentionally include it to be, like, a set point in the song where you could, like, engage the audience in a live setting and get them clapping and singing and waving along?
1: Yeah. To me, when we started writing it, um, we are in the studio. I said, you know, it would be great to have a breakdown part after yeah. uh, the bridge just because it feels like when I'm listening to this, it, it makes me feel happy and it kind of feels like church.
6: Yeah. Gospel Yeah. Totally.
1: Yeah. So I said, for me, it felt like church. So I said, okay, I want to kind of bring it back to um, that organic feel. And it's such an incredible moment when we do it uh, live and everybody's just singing along. That's but you know, we didn't, ex- we weren't even thinking about, um, about crowd at that point. We were just thinking about, you know, feeling of like, you know, ha- of bringing it back to kind of that churchy, yeah. you know, jamming place. And it's a nice, and it's a nice, um, it's a nice uh, change in the song. And I thought that we needed to have some type of, uh, you know, kind of, built up from the bridge up to the last hook to make the last hook really soar. Um, and yeah. it's incredible watching it live now. That's the part that we even, like, when I'm performing it live, that's the part where I allow the crowd to sing along, you know, because the music yeah. kind of comes down, and you can hear every single person, and um, it was a really nice, it was. It ended up being really, really nice, uh, just to build up into that last hook and letting it soar.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was incredible. Now, once the second half kicks in, you got the full arrangement kicking back in, one of the main elements of that is that you have hip-hop and trap in that. So how did hip-hop yeah. and trap kind of factor into Meant to Be?
5: Me. On top of the
6: ballot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No
3: hesitation.
6: <laughs> but it worked so yeah. well. It was a perfect fit. No, it did not seem out of place well. at all.
1: Yeah, I grew up in New York City, and it's like I needed to yeah. put... Uh, you know, I needed to... Uh, when I decided to put it on my EP and my album, I said, like, I need to... Um, I'm not going to tweak the guys. I'm going to leave them in there. You know, it's a pop country song. I said, but um, I want to add an element of me. So we had um, uh, David Garcia go back in, and he added some cool trappy elements to it, and it makes it feel um, contemporary, but not too not too contemporary. Where when you listen back to the song, it'll feel very dated because of the production. So uh, you know, he added that layer of it, and and I really loved it. And it just makes it feel fresher and younger and um, it just makes it move more and feel more exciting.
5: So, uh, switching gears to lyrics. Um, pop generally favors melody over lyrics. However, country songs are much more driven by lyrics. Did that play mm-hmm. a factor at all in your writing process?
1: Um, I think I, we wanted the lyrics to be... Um, one thing that country music has done um, to me, You know, especially after writing, meant to be is um the the thoughtfulness of it and the storytelling um of how it uh, transitions from a guy's perspective telling a girl to relax um, and then her being well this is you know this is the reason why and and it kind of just being this record of two sides of the story and the way that it it worked in going to the bridge, and then us both singing in 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 duo, saying you know basically saying that we both kind of agree that we maybe we will, maybe we won't, maybe, maybe we do, maybe we don't. Um, so it's like this kind of beautiful push and pull from a guy and a girl's perspective, mm-hmm. um, you know, or a relationship. It was simple storytelling, and I think that that definitely played a part.
6: You know, speaking of the lyrics and how it worked with the vocals, and also the duet structure there's this really cool moment at the end of your verse where FGL makes this unexpected return appearance where it's like, hold up girl, you know, after you yeah. go through your whole thing, how did that come about? That was a really cool moment. Think, you don't typically see that.
1: Yeah. I think that I was stuck and I didn't know what to do there. Mm. Um, and I was actually in the booth <laughs> right. and I was, I think I was, I think I was in the booth freestyling and I was really <laughs> stuck. And I said, well, what if you do something in there? And I think, I think, um, I think what happened was Tyler, I was, I did my whole, um, I'm tired of the fake love Show me what you're made of Boy, make me believe And we used to fill in that gap And then Tyler was like What if you go Oh, hold up uh, You know, and I was like I'm not doing that I'm like, you come in here and do that So he <laughs> said, oh, hold up um, And it's kind of funny Because it's like, you know Him saying, oh, hold up, girl Don't you know you're beautiful And it's easy to see It's right. kind of like you know, guys, it's it's like a guy usually telling a girl down. we're like, oh, okay, you're right, and then it's like we stop arguing for just like the sake <laughs> of arguing. Um, sometimes, not all the time, yeah. but and that was actually a moment of just him. He came up with a melody through the um, through the intercom in my in my ears, um, and I was just stuck on that one part huh. and. Uh, I I felt like it was really cool, just like a second of that, you know, because the duet is usually just like first verse, this person, second verse, this person, you know. Right. You know, and then it's like he comes in. It was a really cool, um, fresh um, thing that happened, you know, spontaneously. And um, we just loved it so much. We're like, we have to keep that.
6: Yeah, that was totally one of the highlights in the song. And, you know, speaking of duet structure, like we just saw with the bridge, where you're trading lines and, you know, additional lines of harmony are coming on in the bridge. But then when you do it in the outro, did you intentionally change it up sort of so like in the bridge I, I if I remember correctly it was line to line you were trading off and then the, yeah. and then the outro you actually trade in phrases which was cool, like meant to be then you sing meant to be and he sings meant to be then you both harmonize on the last line.
1: Yeah, I think I think that we wanted to, you know, change it up so that it's like nothing was repeated in the song. Yeah. Um and and we didn't want to do the we didn't want to sing together on it because then it would just feel like song again. So we wanted to have a nice breakdown. Um, and we actually just, um, yes, yeah, so I, I said to them, I was like, you know, I think we should just have a nice breakdown where it doesn't feel like the hook again. And it just makes it a lot more, um, you know, like sentimental and beautiful. And, yeah. uh, it, it was just a nice, it just felt fresh. You know, it didn't feel like another, you know, copy and paste of the hook. It's like, we went in there and we re-sang our parts. softer, yep. And it wasn't a, a, a thing of, and that's something I really, um, appreciate about the guys too. It was a lot more raw and, and, you know, um, we, when we sang the hooks, it, I mean, our verses, it was very like, um, it was very, it wasn't like chopping and pasting and, and mm. singing each line. It was singing the whole verse straight through, yeah. you know, and then we punch in a couple of words, and so the song was, a, you know, a lot about that. It was so a lot it's just very like, organic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very organic.
0: Cool.
1: I'm friends with the monsters the
0: son my bed. Get along with the voices inside of my head You're trying to save me Stop
5: holding your breath And you
0: think I'm crazy Yeah, you think I'm
5: crazy so another thing that uh, that's really great about Meant to Be is uh, the really strong prosody, which, as you know, is the effective marriage of music, lyrics, and vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you balance all of those aspects during your writing process?
1: It's really hard sometimes because you can walk into the room with a concept and um, have such a—I've sh- had sessions where I've had such strong concepts and— you know, the production either is not good enough or the lyrics are not good enough and the melody is good. Um, it's just, I, I truly think it's um, something to do with all the energies in the room being on the same wavelength. Either everybody's tired or, um, I, not beat down, but, you know, I feel like we all have to be on like the same wavelength of wanting to let our walls down and, or, or be. I find that I've had my best sessions where I, you know, when it came to Hey Mama or the Monster um, me, Myself and I or Meant to Be mm-hmm. every single one of those songs have been first sessions with the people that I've worked with. Wow. So there's something that happens where it's like you know we kind of all want to be on our best behavior and do the best that we can and you're kind of scared shitless <laughs> um, but you're all wanting to write something as the best thing you could possibly do to show everybody that you can do the, your best and I think you're the most honest when you're really scared mm-hmm. Um and uh, and I think that that song just kind of fell into place because we were all in the same headspace and wanting to do a great record and being honest and being truest
5: to ourselves um, and wanting to actually be there. So, I have one last question for you. You mentioned actually earlier in this interview, as well as um, in another interview, that you work best without boundaries. So um, yeah. how do you balance the pressure to craft a hit with what makes you unique as an artist?
1: Um, I think, you know, especially with my, like, I'm working on some new music right now. Um, I think it's, it's, it's really important for me, I think, as an artist right now to definitely put out my next couple of songs and singles, my solo singles, um, to really represent the sound that I love and who I am, which is mm-hmm. melodramatic anthems. And, you know, there's always a sense of sadness, and but realness and um, movement. And yeah. um, I think that working on Meant to Be has definitely helped me in a sense of songwriting and just becoming a better songwriter mm-hmm. and storytelling. And that mixed with me, myself, and I... And all, and you know, being able to work in the hip hop scene and the dance scene yeah. has just made me a better writer. And and it's so crazy that the the songs that we've been working on lately is is just such an incredible. Um, it's just the you know the, the 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 concepts and the and the realness of the songs. Yet the I don't want to sound crazy, but the, the how how they feel so just anthemic and major, like massive mm-hmm. and in a, in a in a really. Um, it's hard for me to explain without people hearing it. It just feels so unique. And I think with this next album, um, you know, I have to definitely stick to more of a a direction just for, you know, the overall um, world to know who I am. But I think when they listen to it, they'll Mm -hmm. definitely understand how every song that I've ever been a part of has influenced me It's mm-hmm. all becomes very uh, clear very cool. um i think that it's hard but sometimes if a song is so unbelievable like meant to be um i knew that florida georgia Line loved it but they wanted to wait for the next album to put it out which would have been a year or more mm-hmm. and i i, I just I, it just felt so urgent and my team and i discussed it and i thought it was a cr- it was crazy but um it just started it just started blowing up in such an organic way Um, I never expected to to be a single of mine, but you know, when something is just so magical and spreads like wildfire on its own, you can't stop that. You you know, it's the people talking, it's the destiny of the record. And I feel like if I hadn't put it out, I don't know if it would have been the song that it was. Mm. It would have probably still been sitting on my laptop. So, um, it taught me that to never put myself in a boundary and to always take risks.
5: Right.
2: At the same time, uh, Bibi, uh, 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 how organic the song came about. And you said how uh, writing with someone for the first time brings that magic. Would you work with Florida Georgia line again? Could, could there be a meant to be sequel?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I can't promise you that it'll be a sequel. Cause um, you just never know. But um, I can promise you that I will definitely be getting in with them again.
2: Cool. What do you think, uh, BB? Do Dave and Yael know their stuff when it comes to analyzing your music?
1: <laughs> You're all right. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: guys are
2: great. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, BB, this is, uh it's really cool. Does it feel uh, sort of uh, unique for you to discuss your songs uh, this way, so in-depth? Have you done that before?
1: Um, yeah, I've never done that before. Um, I've worked with a lot of songwriters and producers that have definitely a set way of doing things. And the people that I like working with the most, you know, the Justin Trans or the Lauren Christies, um, um, we just go with our hearts. And I'm a def- definitely a very different type of songwriter. Um, I-, I don't like structure, and I've definitely gotten myself into trouble with a lot of bigger producers and songwriters who, um, you know, fall with me in the studio, especially as a young girl starting out. Um, but I think that me going with feeling and working the way that I work best is what got me here at this moment, so I'm grateful for that.
2: Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of uh, just that natural inspiration, but uh, muscle memory, too. When you start writing hits, it becomes a part of, of who you are, and it's probably the, the perfect way to, uh, to be a pop artist, to have that, uh, that heart and soul, but also uh, you are just uh, keep learning more of the tricks of songwriting.
1: Absolutely. It, it, just, it just starts becoming, you know, you, and I think that pushing yourself um to do things that scare you um helps you grow not only as a as an artist but as a human
5: definitely i don't need anything
0: to get me through the night except the beat that's small because it's keeping me alive i don't need anything to make me satisfied because i'm
3: okay i want to ask one question about songwriting um actually it's not about meant to be in particular but it's about the rap sung collaborations that you've worked on before like me myself and i and the monster i'm really curious when you are deciding to make a song or, or asked to do a song that that's part rap part you know song i assume most of the rappers work on the track write their own stuff how does that combination of you know do you write is it a rap song, and they come no. and say, "You know, hey, we need
1: never, no, never." Um, I wrote uh, me myself and I, as well as um, the monster, uh, on piano with my uh, with the co-writers. Um, uh, um, both songs, actually, me myself and I, and the monster, um, were produced um, for me, and um, I just couldn't get my label at the time to believe in. Uh, me, myself, and I. They just didn't think it was a hit, or they didn't think it was right for me. Uh, but it was actually. It sounded like um, it was, um, you know, fully written. And uh, but then we had like a dance version of it. So it, it, was, it was. It was. It was. I think I didn't think they. They thought it was the right move for me at the time. You know, so um, I don't blame them for that. I think, you know, um, it was meant for it to go to G E V. But um, as well as the monster, the monster was um, uh, fully produced out. Um, and, uh, I pulled both, um, off, you know, we both, we, you know, when I, I, I heard of g I heard it all on Spotify that I was like, oh, I'm obsessed with this record and his style. And I think he's going to be huge. So I had like asked tons of people. I was like, I asked my, um, publisher, I asked my manager at the time. I was asking everybody to get me in the studio with g Easy. Um, and I had me myself at, at that time just on piano, um, and I uh, was hanging out with a friend, and I said, I really want to write with Gez, and he was like, Gez, he's like, that's my boy. He's like, I can get you with him this week, and I said, oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> so the first thing that I played for Gez going into the studio without thinking, just so he knew what the, what I was working on, was me myself and I on piano, and he heard it, and he. Well, he lost his mind. He said, "This is my song." You promised me this is my song, and I said, "Yes." Um, and that's how that happened. Um, and uh, the same with um, the monster. Um, we pulled off the piano and we sent it to Eminem, and he felt um, he, he he fell in love with it, and it was reproduced. Um, and uh, it's usually always from piano and vocal.
3: Wow, that's awesome! I didn't. I mean, so these are really like BB REXA originals from the start.
1: Yeah, I have all my, I have all my demos are really funny. And,
3: and, I mean, I know you and your label obviously are a team, but it must, it must be kind of good, you know, when, when they're like, oh, I don't think this is really a hit. And then it turns out to be this monster <laughs> smash that must feel like you, you got to feel pretty you know good, what? right?
1: Um, You know what? Um, You know, my label has gone through, Warner has gone through a lot of changes and the new team is so um, incredible now, you know, I have like Aaron Bashock and, and Tom Corson and they're just, um, it's just the energy is so incredible now, you know, all that, that old team of people that have passed on all the songs, I don't think that's going to happen again, and I'm, I actually just feel so happy and blessed in this environment, it just feels so good, and they're so incredible at what they do, like, and I never say that about anybody, so um, I I know that they won't let that happen again. <laughs>
2: Well, BB, I hope you're prepared to uh, do this again as you keep having more hits. We'll keep having you on and keep uh, going uh, line by line through uh, all your huge hits. We're happy to keep doing that.
1: Hopefully, I hope so. Thank you guys so much.